yeah, focusing on prayer this season, just getting us ready for the prayer that is coming from January. We're going to have a time of praying and fasting. I want to make sure that what we're doing is biblical, that we do not just copy facts, you know, copy what people just do. We need to make sure that we're guided by the truth of the word of God so that what we're doing is done right. They, they say whatever is worth doing, is worth doing well. So today we're talking about praying aright, praying the will of God. Prayer is about sharing fellowship with God. It's about sharing fellowship with God and having a dialogue through that fellowship. Sharing fellowship with God and having a dialogue through that fellowship. It's not really a religious program. It's sharing a relationship. It's like a father and a son, a father and a daughter. When your daughter comes to a father, it's not a religious program. It's a privilege of relationship. So that's what prayer really is. And then we want to look at the purpose. What's the purpose really of prayer? Prayer is about establishing the will of God, not the will of man. It's about establishing the will of God, not the will of man. In our lives, in other lives, in our nations, and in the world. Our Lord Jesus Christ told us to pray, to say, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 1 John 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Anything according to his will, he heareth us. Which means if you ask anything that is not his will, he will not hear. He's not going to do that. Why? Because Ephesians 1, 11 tells us that God does everything according to his will. Everything according to his will and purpose. Ephesians 1.11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, not some things. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. He works all things, not some things, all things according to the counsel of his will. Isaiah, Isaiah 46 verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. That's God talking. God says, from ancient times to modern times, at any age, I will do my pleasure. My counsel shall stand, because there is no better counsel than the counsel of God. There is no better purpose than the purpose of God, and he's God all by himself anyway. So nobody controls God. Nobody controls God. All these people that are, that are boasting about how they move the hand of God, you might think twice before you use that kind of boastful language. Nobody controls God. You don't move him, nothing. If you move him, you become God, and you're controlling him. I think that's, that's blasphemy. Isaiah 40, 12. Who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth? Has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? That's the question now. You that are moving his hand, the Bible said, are you, so you now advise God what to do? Who is, able to, who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice and teach him what to do? Fourth thing, has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scale. That's how it is. When you put dust in the scale, it doesn't really move. 
The Bible said all the nations of the earth, they're nothing. They're just dust on the sky. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. Lamentations 3, 37. Who is he that said, and they come it to pass when the Lord commanded it not? When God has not commanded it. And so we are instructed not to rely upon our own understanding. And if we shouldn't rely upon our own understanding, how do you think God will rely upon your understanding? In Proverbs 3.5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Rely on his counsel, his will, with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. So I can't bring my understanding to God because God says don't depend on it. So how is God going to depend on that too? Six, seek his will. Seek his will in all you do. And then he will show you which path to take. Prayer is about establishing the will of God, not the will of men. He will show you the path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Now, our Lord Jesus Christ is our example. John 5, 30. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I seek not my own will. Jesus, the Lord, our Lord, our example, says, I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father, which has sent me. Case closed. Case closed. Luke twenty-two forty-four, 44. Saying, Father, if thou be willing, as if it's your will, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I don't seek my will in prayer. I'm not here to bring you my purpose, my will, and my plans for you to endorse them. No. You are the Alpha. You are the Omega. Beginning and the end. So it's you that we follow. You guide. He says, not my will, but your will. If you will to do this, fine. But if it's not your will, I'm not here seeking my will. Prayer is about establishing, again, the will of God. Therefore, be wise and seek only his will in all you do, including prayer. Ephesians 5, 17. Wherefore, be not wise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Wherefore, be not unwise. It's lack of wisdom to just be careless about what you tell God because you have to come and talk about the will of the Lord. Wisdom is understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, praying the will of God is the way to pray aright then because we've seen it from the Lord Jesus so how do we really pray according to his will? John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and they shall be done unto you. So you see, part of the way to pray the will of God is to be guided by his word in our prayer. If you abide in me, that is if you trust me, if you rely on me, if you have faith in me, that's the same way we came into Christ was to put our faith in him. So if you abide in me and then my words abide in you, my words are active in you, controlling your thinking, controlling what you say, what you pray about. If my word abides in you, it's it's alive in you. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Because the word of God is his will. Psalm 119.105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and the light for my path. So in the light of above all said, we can then simply appropriate what God has provided for us in, in prayer and as, as we are led by the Spirit of God in prayer for them. God has provided 
things for us. The word of God reveals his will. So, for instance, healing is his will. Why? Because it's part of redemption plan. It's part of salvation. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, he bore our infirmities and took our sicknesses. The Bible says he became sin for us. He bore our sins. He bore our sins. He bore our sins. God laid on him all our sins and the consequences of our sins, including sickness. So if God laid that sin on Jesus and that sicknesses on him, he bore it. Why is it not the will of God for me to be well? So that you can't come in praying for healing and be asking God if he be that will because you already know his will here because it's established in the covenant we have with Jesus, with God through Jesus Christ. I'm the God that healed thee and he healed us in Christ Jesus. So occasions like that where we have the blessings that God has provided in Christ, you don't, you don't ask if it be that will because it's his will. It's already provided. You can't even negate it. You can't even undo what Christ has concluded and done. So it's his will. All we need to do is to accept them and walk in it. But there are situations that you don't know exactly if it's the will of God. Like if you want to relocate from here to Texas or from here to Canada, whatever you want to do, there's no scripture that tells you exactly that it should be in Canada. So in such situations, it's important to seek to find out his will. You don't just plan to go to Canada and come to God and say, Lord, I'm moving to Canada. You bless me there. That's not how to pray aright. James chapter 4, verse 13 to 16. Look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town. We are relocating. And we stay there a year. You've made your plans. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to. That's what we ought to be praying about, the will of God. If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. See, you want to pray, Lord, your will about this place. If you want to, if you want us to, Jesus said, if you are willing, not my will, but your will. If the Lord wants us to. You can't sit up and say, I'm going to a certain town, I will be there a year, and I'll get a job. The Bible says, that's not how to pray. How to pray aright and pray the will of God is, according to scripture, if the Lord wants us to, we will leave and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil. See, so you, you, you can't be praying aright when you are praying in evil way. That's why prayer, we need to understand the purpose of prayer so that it guides you in how you, how you talk to God. God is not your classmate. He's God Almighty. It guides you in how you talk to him. They are seeking his will. In these areas where you don't have any specific instruction in the scripture, what the will of God is. There are areas where the scripture gives specific instruction. You don't have to bother to find out the will of God. It's right there in the Bible. So the Holy Spirit will guide us in the will of God for what is not covered in scripture, Romans 8, 16 says, the spirit is a bearing witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Spirit will bear witness with our spirit. We've thought on this, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into details about it again. The Holy Spirit knows all the perfect will of God. So he will be able to guide us if we seek to know, if we want to know. Now, another way to pray the will of God is not just by claiming these promises 
You see, we Christians have grown a little bit selfish, a little bit. So we all claim promises. All, the will of God is promise, promise, blessing, and the healing. Awesome, wonderful. But that's not the only way you pray the will of God. That's not the only way you pray the will of God. To pray the will of God, you must seek the heart of God. What does God want done? What does God want done? What does God want happen? So that God can drop it in your heart and you start praying for it. That's one powerful way to pray the will of God. It's not just to claim this, claim that, claim that. And like I was saying to a group of people, that most of our prayer topics is intensely selfish. It's all about me, my family, my children, from January to December, December to January, January to December. Actually, if you, if you study scriptures, that kind of mindset is hedonism. It's not the spirit life. It's not the spirit life at all. So we need to pray about what God wants done. It's our father. I mean, if you're in a family, shouldn't you want to find out what mommy wants done so you can help? Or what daddy wants done so you can help? So we need to find out what God wants done. We're in a family. His family. You can't be in the family and all you want is this for you, this for your family, this for your children, this for your So we need to understand that God's heart is people. God's heart is human beings he created. He loved this world so much that he gave his only begotten son to die for us. We are the object of God's love. If you are looking for what is in the heart of God, it's people he created. It's people he created. It's you and I, the object of his love. The Bible says where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart is. Where God's treasure, his heart is on us. That was why while we were yet sinners, he had planned our salvation. And they cost him his only begotten son. That's how intense his love for us is. And so look at John 10, 17. The father lost me because I sacrificed my life so I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrificed it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. You see, my father lost me because I sacrificed my life for people, for you. God was so happy. Why? Because he loves us. You know, if you love somebody, you, you, do, you do anything for that person. You go out of your way to do something for that person. If you don't love somebody, you find all the excuses not to do anything. You will find all the excuses, good ones and bad ones, all of them put together. And God identifies with people. We're just trying to see. You want to pray the will of God? You need to focus your prayer on people and what God wants to do for them and what God wants to do in their lives. That's one way to pray according to the will of God. It's not just to be claiming promises. Look at Matthew 25, 43. I was a stranger and you took me not in. Naked and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. You didn't pray for these people. I bring your way. I needed somebody to pray for them. You didn't. You were so selfish. You were, you were consumed with your own world and your own life. You didn't even care about them. You didn't take time to pray for them. Ezekiel 18.4. Behold, also Samai. God says, also Samai. God's heart is also, especially his, for his sheep, his own children. I talked about people, the whole world. Now I'm talking about his own sheep, his own people, his own children. 
John 21, 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon, Sister Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than this? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He did this three times. I will tell you how much his heart is for his sheep. And to pray the will of God, you pray the heart of God. You pray the heart of God. People, God's children. Philippians 3.2. Don't be selfish. Oh, uh, yeah. Do not be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You want to pray the will of God? This is it. He said, you must have the same attitude that Jesus had. Jesus said, I laid my life down willingly so you people can have life. And God says, sure. Want to do my will? Want to pray according to my will? Yes. I'd be so delighted if you will begin to take your time to seek my heart for what I want for people and for even the church where you are, even the sheep of God where you are. The Bible said, don't be selfish. See, it's unfortunate the only thing that motivates people to pray is when they want to pray and to go and get blessed. That's really why the church is powerless. Because we don't walk in the spirit, we walk in the flesh. That is flesh. Again, if you study the scripture, that mindset is hedonism. It has nothing to do with the spirit of God at all. It's not love, it's selfishness. The Bible said, don't be selfish. That's the core nature of the fallen man, selfishness. The scripture says, if you have this world good and you see your brother has need, and you close your heart. He said, how can you call yourself a Christian? He said, how can you say that the love of God is in you? He said, how can anybody claim that who doesn't care for others? He has something that can help somebody. He's not using it. He's consumed by his own selfishness. He can pray for you or for people. He won't pray. He won't do that. Even when he's praying for others, he's just fulfilling our righteousness. But when it comes to him, he's praying like a house on fire. The Bible says, how do you describe yourself as having the same spirit of Christ that gave said, I sacrificed myself willingly for you all. So that's again how to pray according to the will of God. It's to pray, pray God's passion, which is paper, God's passion, which is a ship. Look at Timothy, Philippians 2.19. If the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. 20. I have no one else like Timothy. Then this unbelievable. There are a whole bunch of Christians. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare, cares about the sheep of God. All the others care only for themselves. This thing didn't start today. And not for what matters to Jesus Christ. They don't care about what is the, 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 the passion of the Lord, what is in his heart. But you know how Timothy has proved himself, like a son with his father. He has served with me in preaching the gospel and the good news. Look at Paul, who said, like a son with his father. Galatians 4.19, my little children, for whom I again suffering bad pangs until Christ is completely and permanently formed, molded within you. This is what keeps this man awake in the night, praying that Christ will be formed in the life of Christians. This is what keeps him awake. These people have backslidden from walking in the spirit and walking to the flesh, 
depending on the flesh, instead of depending on the finished work of Calvary, they have switched to depending on the work that they've done. Instead of depending on the work that Jesus did. And you can't live the spirit life when you depend on the work that you do. And Paul said, I, I'm, I'm going to pray until Christ is formed in you, until your heart is sufficiently renewed to accept what Christ has offered you, the new life he gave you, the new creation he made you. So you walk by faith in that. Colossians 2, verse 1. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at share, and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I agonize for them in prayer. I'm not doing this so they join my church. Some people are just, just manipulation. Oh, they pray for you all over the place. The reason is they want you to join their church. That is outright manipulation. It's demonic. You don't entice people in the things of the Holy Spirit. Oh, they pray for you, follow you, go, they go to your house, come everywhere. They have only one target, join our church. That's not love. That's not love. It's wrong motive. Paul said, I pray for people who have never met me personally. I'm not going to gain anything from them. All I want is for them to be like Jesus. Organize in prayer for them. And then verse 2. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysteries. Mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. He said, all I want them to do is to understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. The plan that God executed for mankind in Christ. That's why I'm agonizing and prayer that God will open their eyes. Paul, do you love me? Jesus will say, feed my sheep. And the man was praying the will of God, praying the heart of God, praying out the, the passion of God, the things that belong to Christ, the people that are his own, his sheep. I don't know how many people who are leaders in the church who spend time to pray for the sheep of God that God has put under them. Life center leaders, Sunday school teachers, heads of ministries, pastors. I don't know how many people can fast, not for themselves, but for the sheep of God, that Christ will be formed in them. But instead, we, we gossip about them, we find fault with them, we talk about how they're not good, and how there's a terrible person, you know, he's always looking for trouble. I don't think that's what God called you to do. Find fault. God didn't call you to find fault. Paul went to pray. Paul prayed for the sheep of God. That's how to pray according to the will of God. Epaphras. Epaphras, Colossians 4.12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluted you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. This man knew that the purpose of God is to establish divine will. So he said, always laboring for this purpose, that they will stand in all the will of God for their lives. Do you love me, God will ask. Jesus will ask me and ask you. Oh, he said, you dance and say, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, okay. How about praying for my sheep? Want to pray my will? Pray for my sheep. You won't gain anything from them. Don't even tell them, but pray for my sheep. Matthew 9, 37. We reveal to us what God's heart is. The lost. They lost. Matthew 9, 37. Then said he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his vineyard. This, you want to pray the will of God? This is what Jesus is saying. This is divine will, that Christians should pray therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We should be interested in the harvest. It's not just every prayer meeting is about me, 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 you know. Me, 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 and me, me, me. The harvest 
should keep us awake in prayer. Send laborers, Lord. Raise laborers. If you are leading a group of people, if you don't have enough, enough people serving, pray for laborers. God is send laborers. Pray like a house on fire. Pray like you really want it to happen. Romans 10, 1 to 4. Look at Paul again. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer of, to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Look at this man's passion and his prayer topics. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal, for they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself, refusing to accept God's way. They cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law, and today people are, many are like that. They don't understand the way of grace. They want to go the way of works. They talk about the finished work of Calvary, but they have no respect for it. They don't even see the, 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 place, the, the place of all that in their life. They insist on the law and obeying the law and say you have to preach the law, so preach sin, so that when you preach sin, people will repent. There is no verse of the Bible that teaches us that preaching sin brings repentance. None. The Bible tells us the goodness of God leads to repentance, not preaching sin. The goodness of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God found in Christ Jesus. Preach Christ crucified. That's the answer to sin. Sin is not the answer to sin. If somebody is sick, you bring the medicine. You don't come. If somebody is sick, you be, you be t- 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 telling him about that sickness. No, you bring the solution. Christ is the answer to sin. Faith in Christ breaks all yokes, gives new life, changes a man. They didn't know this. And Paul was praying for them. So all this come along the line of seek you first, the kingdom of God, pray for God's plan and purposes for nations and people's group. As we see in Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need that will be done on earth. Is seeking the kingdom of God, seeking the purpose of God, the plan of God for a nation, for a people. Is seeking the kingdom of God, seeking the plan of God for a nation and for a people. First Timothy 2.1. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. You see, want to pray according to the will of God? Here is it. Seeking the will of God for a people, for a nation, for a church, for, is the kingdom work. Seeking that the plan and purpose of God will come into fulfillment. That's establishing the will of God here on earth. That will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my foolish will and my foolish plan that God didn't have has nothing to do with. We can't even bring a plan. God said, I have a plan for you. You can't have a better plan for your life. So now Paul is saying, let me read it again. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. First of all, for people. People. For God so loved the world. God loves people. That's the object of his love. For all men. For kings, And for all that are in authority, whether you like them or not, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. It's good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. You want to pray according to the will of God? This is it. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? I will therefore that all men, that verse 8 now, I will therefore that men pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting, praying these things I told you to pray about. Romans 15, 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, 
for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayer. Join me in this work of serving Jesus through your prayer so that the kingdom of God expands, so that people come into this kingdom. And God expects us to pray for nations. As he told us, he wants to pray according to the will of God. It's not just to, uh, you know, to be claiming promises and things like this. The scripture is full of what the will of God is. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. No, we don't do that. We become politicians, political talking point. Talking. That's what we do. Where does the Bible prescribe all that? That we should be politicians, fighting one another. Even not talking to fellow Christians, become enemies because of politics. That's called backsliding. And let's just call it what it is. It's called backsliding. The Bible says we, we, we know we pass from life unto the, un, un, from death to life because we love the brethren. Now you don't love the brethren because of politics. You move from life to death. The Bible says if you hate your brother, you're in darkness. You don't know where you're going. Because of politics, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of this world, we live in this world, we're not of this world. We don't pray the will of God. Oh, that's why there's no power. Mm-mm. No power. No miracles, not. Because we have to sync with the Holy Spirit. And Ezekiel 22, 30, God actually is seeking for people like that. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall. So I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. Because I'm searching for people who stand in prayer for their land. You want to pray according to the will of God. You want to pray really aright. Stop praying selfish prayer. Selfishness is the core nature of the fallen man. Love is the core nature of the new man. Love is selflessness. Christ said, I sacrifice my life for you. And that's how you know a Christian. Not by anything. It's by the love life lives. Jesus said, that's how you know my people. That's why, how you know where my spirit is walking. Because I love. If you see my love walking, that's, that's, that's my disciple. Now, you see, Lot was grieved, thoroughly grieved, for the iniquity of his own time. We don't get grieved. We've joined the world, television, five hours, whatever culture they carry about. Actually, now it's, it's shocking that the world is, is now dictating to many churches what they preach. So now they're preaching about loving animals, preaching about um, preserving um, you know, nature, whatever, or whatever they call it. I don't know what they call it. They fight over environment. Now it becomes what they preach from pulpits. The Bible told us iniquity will abound. Instead of speaking as oracles of God. People are going to hell, don't know God. You're talking about environment. There's appropriate places to talk about those things. But the church is, is the ground and pillar of truth. Second Peter 2 7. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. This is the Christian. This is the type of heart we should have that will move us to really begin to pray. Verse 8. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul. By the wickedness he saw and had there by there. I had a very big man preacher condemn Lot for this. It's something we hear these days. He was condemning Lot. But the Holy Spirit said he was a righteous man. How can you, how can you condemn a man that God says is a righteous man? Verse 9. So you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their stress, even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. He's talking about how God rescued Lot, verse 7. But God has rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man. His heart, he was different. Living in terrible culture, but he stood out. Can't we stand out too? 
come out from among of them and be you separate. Why shouldn't we be? When you mix with them, you, your heart will not be broken. You won't, you won't pray for them. You won't even see anything wrong. Another way to pray the will of God is let the love of God control what we do. That's what we've been talking about. Second Corinthians 5.17. Either way, Christ's love controls us. If, there, if Christ's love controls you, you will not pray selfish prayer. It says, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that, he, that, we have all, that we have all died to our old life. See the difference now? He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life, his new life, we no longer live for themselves. Selfishness is dead. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Receive a new life. Say, no, you don't live for yourself no more. Your selfishness is gone. Love controls you. Love is selflessness. He who has the world goose and sees a brother has need and closes his heart, the Bible says, how does that person tell God that he is a Christian? It's in your Bible. And the Bible tells us that selfish motives will block prayer. James 4, 3. Or do you ask, or you, you, you do ask God for them and yet fail to receive because you ask with wrong purpose and evil selfish motives. See, your intention is, when you get what you desire, you spend it in your sensual pleasure. God says, all that kind of selfish thing, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't get involved in it. It's not my will to, be, to, to sponsor selfish projects. Then another way we can pray the will of God is come to God and just worship him. It's God's will to worship him. I didn't say come worship and praise him, no. Pick out worship only and focus on God and worship him. Matthew 14, then say Jesus unto him, get thee, get thee hence Satan, for it is written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. It's important to find time, spend time worshiping God for who he is. Spend time and worship him. Don't ask anything. Don't beg anything. Just exalt him, appreciate him, love on him. It's the will of God. You want to pray the will of God? This is one of them. Acts 13 too. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas, and Saul for the work where I have called them. They ministered to the Lord and fasted. They were not asking anything. They were just worshiping God. And God spoke to them. God spoke to them. So we see, said this how the, whole, the scripture is teaching us to pray according to the will of God. Worship God. Spend time. Don't, don't, be, don't come and bring all these selfishness. Leave out your problem. Just worship him for who he is. And then thank him for what he's done for you. So thank you for what he's done for you. It's totally different from worshiping him. I was telling a group of people, I said, you start worshiping God, you may not last one minute. You may not know what next to say. But when the Holy Spirit helps you to worship him, it's a beautiful fellowship time. To really, really, the more you worship him, the more you know him. The more you recognize his awesomeness, the more you honor him. The more he moves in your life. Now, we're going to the second stage of this study. Whatever I stop here, continue next Thursday. Now, the Bible says, to seek God's will, seek first God's will and his purpose. And we shouldn't be like the heathens in our prayer who are very intensely selfish. We shouldn't be like them because the spirit of God controls us. The love of God controls us. But flesh controls them. Luke chapter 12, 30. For all these things. So God says, if we, if we seek first the kingdom of God and divine purpose, divine will, worship him, pray for people, pray for the church, pray for nations, pray for... You know, he said, when you do that, verse 12, 30. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. They bother about selfish personal things. And your father knew that you have need of these things too. But rather seek you the kingdom of God and all, the, all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first this 
will of God, this, this plan of God established where God put you as the Holy Spirit guides you, if you have that kind of mindset and it's your desire to get involved in praying according to the will of God, the Holy Spirit said, you see these needs? I know you have them. He said, it shall be added unto you. The Bible didn't make it number one on our prayer list. He said, the kingdom of God should be number one. The will of God established should be number one. As you seek to establish the will of God in the Lafos people, in your church, and God said, hey, I know you have need of these things. I know you are spending time praying for my kingdom. I'm going to supply all your needs. I'm going to give you this. Because that's like sowing into the kingdom. It's like, it's like giving God your, your, your life, really, to use, to pray in this direction so the will of God will be established. He said, all these things that bother you, that have, that have, you, you should reverse your prayer list immediately. You should reverse it. Put all those things, that surface things below. And then those ones, most of it is, is yours, really, anyway. And put, God, what, what do you want me to pray about? Your kingdom. Where do you need me to be engaged? And he will show you. Now, you know the reason, again, God says, seek you faith, the kingdom of God, and the righteousness of God, and all these things shall be added to you. I don't know if I've ever thought of the fact that before even your need arises, that God has provided the solution. I don't think we have that mindset. It's not a general mindset, but that's true. God anticipates our problems and provides the answer before it comes. God, just, just, God doesn't wait and say, well, you know, and he said to God, you know, today I'm hungry. So, oh, yeah, oh, you're hungry. Let me go provide food. No. Before you get hungry, it's provided food. It's provided it. Look at Isaiah 45, verse 1. This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed one, whose right hand he will empower before him. Mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gets, their fortress gates will be opened Never to shut again, verse 2. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains before you. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. That's all the things that, that block you. I'm going to smash them. And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness. Secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I, the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. He said, I'll go before you. I'll go. I'm going to sort out this thing before you get there. I'm going before you. Isaiah 65, 21. In those days, people will live in the houses they built and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Unlike the past, invaders will not take their houses and confiscate their vineyards. For my people will live as long as trees, and my chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. 23. They will not walk in vain, and their children will not be doomed to misfortune, for they are people blessed by the Lord, and their children too will be blessed, already blessed by the Lord, and their children too will be blessed. I will answer them before they even call to me. What does that mean? God said, before even you pray, I've anticipated that problem, I've provided the solution. Before you even call to me, while they are still talking about their needs, I'll go ahead and answer their prayers. I, I anticipate these things before you. He said, I know you have need of these things. When you come to prayer, that's not the first time God knows you need it. No, it's not the first time now. He said, I know you need these things. He said, I will answer them before they even call to me. God says, I anticipate these needs and I've, I've, I've gone ahead and provided the solutions for you. So you don't have to bother about that. Pray for my kingdom. Pray for what I'm telling you. I've provided solutions to these things. I have. Before I will answer you, before you even call to me, I've provided it. 
Oh, you say, Pastor, really? Sure. Is it not what God says? Let's read one example. I think that's all the time we have. We'll continue with this next Thursday, and then we'll see more examples, and then you see how it fits into your prayer language, and how as a, a New Testament Christian, how you pray the will of God as regards this, and how problems are solved very easily, very quickly, if we follow these principles of God. Genesis 21.8. When Isaac grew up and was about, about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much because Ishmael was his son. But God told Abraham, do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. You see, Isaac is the child of promise. He is the one through which the covenant is going, not Ishmael. And so what Sarah said, God said, sure. This is the one through which the covenant goes. That is the child of promise. This one you got by connivance does not share in it. This is what I did. This one is what you, people, you planned with Sarah and did. See, the works of men versus the work of God. The blessings come through the work of Christ. The cause come through the work of men. I hope you understand this one. So verse, verse, verse 12. I mean verse um, 13. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son because he's your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their, with their son, and she wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Bethsheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred years away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said, as she burst into tears. To her, there's no solution here. You know, if it's us, man, time for now. Pray, 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 pray. Everybody pray, 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 pray. Go, must come, come. Look at the next verse. It says in verse, um, verse 17, but God heard the boy crying, and the angel of the Lord called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what is wrong? I think God didn't know what is wrong. Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Now, go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well full of water. God has provided Jehovah Jireh, already provided the water before Hagar got there. Before Hagar got there, God already provided, not just cup, a well. Abundantly above all you want. A well, not just what, not just cup. God provides in abundance. That's why we have an abundant life. God has provided a well, not just cup. But Hagar didn't see it. I was, it was crying, and God opened her eyes to say, I am Jehovah Jireh. I'm the God that provides. It's right there. Before you open your mouth, I have provided. Look, I have sent it. Verse 19. Then God opened Hagar's eye, and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer. Now, next Thursday, we're going to continue like this and see more examples and see how it works for us in the New Testament. And your prayer pattern will change drastically. And I guarantee you will see more results. You'll be seeing your wells that God has placed in your life. you see this well. you see this one. you say, oh, my God. That's why the most very important prayer is for God to open your eyes of understanding. 
The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us pray. Precious Father, we just want to thank you again for teaching us to pray aright. Prayer is not a struggle. It's not a sweat thing. It's a relationship thing. It's a fellowship thing. Father, I pray that you help us to really understand these very important things so that we get engaged in what you want us to get engaged in and leave the things you say we should leave for you, everything that should be added. Because before we get there, you've provided so that, Lord, we can flourish like a palm tree. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.